What is up everyone? It's Quinn here and I think everyone who plays fantasy football knows how important it is to hit on your early round picks. If you're drafting round one, round two, you're really going to need those guys to pan out and deliver you high ceilings in order for you to win your fantasy championship. You know, you can pick up solid options in the mid to late rounds, but if you do swing and miss on those early round guys, it's going to be really tough to overcome that, you know, over an entire season, especially if your other league mates are hitting on those round one and round two picks. But if you guys are heading into your drafts, there are going to be certain spots in the first two rounds where there are players at the same position that are pretty much going right next to each other in terms of ADP. And these could end up being some really tough decisions. So in today's video, I'm going to be talking about five kind of tough calls in the first two rounds of your fantasy drafts. These are players at the same position going pretty much back to back in a consensus ADP using a four for four ADP to get that uh, consensus data. But pretty much, I'm just gonna be breaking down each player and then telling you guys which player I prefer in that spot. Some players I prefer pretty strongly, others I kind of feel like it's a toss up, but I also just wanna get that information out to you guys. It's not necessarily for me to tell you who to draft. I'll just give my opinion and then I'll also just you know throw out the stats for all of you guys. If you enjoy the video, do me a huge favor, hit that like button and subscribe to the channel. But let's just jump right into it and we're gonna be starting off in like the early to mid first round with Cooper Cup versus Tyreek Hill. So according to consensus ADP, Cooper Cup is going off the board as the wide receiver three and then Tyreek Hill is being drafted as the wide receiver four. So pretty much back to back at the wide receiver position. These guys are going behind, you know, Justin Jefferson and Jamar Chase and then they're going ahead of a guy like uh, Stefan Diggs. And personally, I don't have a super strong take on this one. I don't really think you can go wrong with either guy, at least looking at it like from the outside. And personally, I've gone back and forth on these dudes all offseason. Um, I think Cup is the guy with the proven higher ceiling. He averaged an absurd 25.9 points per game in 2021. And then even last year, it wasn't over a full season, only played in nine games, but he still averaged 22.4 points per game, which would have been number one in points per game at the wide receiver position. We look at Tyreek Hill's best season, it was 21.9. Obviously, that's still a very strong ceiling, but it just hasn't compared to what we saw from uh, Cooper Cup over the last two seasons. But then I think when we're looking at like the red flags, and some of like the safety concerns for Cooper Cup. I do think he has more red flags than uh, Tyreek Hill. He's going to be older than Tyreek Hill, not significantly, but you know, still a factor. But he's also going to be coming off a season-ending ankle injury, and he's also dealing with a hamstring injury in camp right now. That hamstring injury could definitely be minor, but it's definitely not something you want to carry into the season because I think these guys are so close together that if Cup is limited or out for the first game or two of the season, that could end up being the difference between these guys in fantasy You know, over the entire year. I also think just the Rams offense as a whole is a lot less stable than the Dolphins. Even Tua and the concussion concerns, I just think overall the Rams are in a much tougher spot. And it's also not like Tyreek Hill has a super low ceiling. He averaged 20.4 points per game last year. I've had them back to back for a while now. Prior to Cup's hamstring injury, I had Cooper Cup at three, Tyreek Hill at four. With the injury, I'll just swap them. I'll give the slight edge to Tyreek Hill. I completely acknowledge that the hamstring injury could end up being nothing, um, but I just think they're that close. So if you prefer Cup, not gonna push back super hard. If you like Hill, you know, cool. I think these are both kind of really solid picks where they're going. Now, the next uh, tough decision is going to be Saquon Barkley 
versus Nick Chubb. So Saquon is currently going off the board as the running back four. Nick Chubb is being drafted as the running back five. And they're both kind of in like that one-two turn area. Some drafts are probably going to go late first. Other drafts are probably going to go like early second round. Just kind of depends on what type of a league you're in. And this is another spot where I've kind of gone back and forth throughout the offseason. Earlier in the offseason, I favored Saquon pretty easily. Like I didn't even really think it was that close. Um, then with the contract situation being up in the air, I kind of has started to really come around on Nick Chubb. So I moved him below Nick Chubb. And I've been someone who has been low on Nick Chubb in previous seasons. I know a lot of people really like him for his safety. For me at the running back position, I just think safety is not something you should be shooting for because in general, it's just not a safe position, right? Running backs are so much more likely to get injured. So I don't want a high floor running back. I want a high ceiling running back and I'll take on that injury risk, which is there regardless. But I am very in on him this season. So even though I faded him in previous years, I like him this season. We've always known that Nick Chubb has been an exceptional pure runner, but he was just kind of never able to secure that like Derrick Henry level workload, which is what's going to carry you to a high ceiling if you lack receiving work, which Nick Chubb has lacked throughout his NFL career. But heading into 2023, this is like the first real season where I have some optimism that Nick Chubb could actually be used in the passing game. Kareem Hunt is gone. He's the guy that had kind of filled that role in previous years. And then there's just not another proven pass catcher behind him on the depth chart. Like they could end up, you know, just throwing one of these depth options into that third down role. But there's not one player that's sticking out like, okay, that guy is there to fill that role this season. And I'm not expecting like a 50 plus reception season out of Nick Chubb. But if he can get in like the 40 reception range, I do think that opens him up to like a 20 plus point per game ceiling, which is the type of ceiling you want to be attainable if you're drafting someone at the one two turn. When we look back to Jonathan Taylor's running back one season in 2021, he averaged 22 points per game and caught 40 passes. So he was ultra efficient, which is what we're expecting out of Nick Chubb. He also hit in the touchdown department, which I definitely think is in the range of outcomes for Nick Chubb, especially if he's not splitting a backfield like he has been with Kareem Hunt. So if he can just get to like that 40 reception area, I do think that really opens up a ceiling for him. And I think he could put together a similar season to that Jonathan Taylor 2021, you know, if things kind of break right for him. Not saying that's like the median outcome. I think JT scored like 20 touchdowns in 17 games. So it's definitely not like a mid-level projection, but that's the ceiling that Nick Chubb could potentially get to. Now we look at uh, Saquon Barkley and he's coming off a running back five finish in points per game, averaging 17.8. But when you actually look at Saquon's opportunities, personally, I think he kind of underperformed. If you would have told me heading into the season that Saquon would have had the third highest opportunity share, the fourth most carries, and the sixth most targets at the tight end position, with that type of workload, I would have thought he'd have like a 20 plus point per game season just based on how efficient he's been when he's been healthy, right? Like his rookie sophomore season, you gave him that type of workload, it would have been 20 plus points per game locked in. And it was just not the same efficiency that we saw in previous years. He was at 0.4 rushing yards over expected per attempt, which is solid, but it's not like elite, you know, top tier up there with like the Nick Chubbs. Um, Tony Pollard, J.K. Dobbins, guys like that. He was 28th in yards per reception, 22nd in yards per run, and 20th in catch rate. You would have liked to see him be like top 10 in those metrics as someone who's regarded as a really strong pass catcher out of the backfield. 
But, you know, stepping back from that, I do expect the Giants offense to take a step forward. I think it can open things up for Saquon. I will kind of, you know, take the point in terms of the receiving game that, like, there was no weapons, so defenses were really able to lock in on him. Like, I think it's a reasonable argument. I can accept that. Um, I also think just being on a better offense can lead to a bigger touchdown season. He didn't really hit huge in the touchdown department last year. Uh, I think he was at like 10 touchdowns in 16 games. So if he can get to like a 16, 17 touchdown season in a boom, that can definitely raise his ceiling. So personally, I do have like some concern that maybe he's starting to slip a little bit. Not saying he's about to fall off a cliff, but I do think it's possible. Maybe, you know, he's just starting to teeter off, but it's not a massive concern because if I don't think he's going to fall off a cliff, if you give him the volume, he's still going to produce for fantasy football. So with all that being said, right now, I think I slightly prefer Saquon Barkley. I think both of these guys are going to have similar volume on the ground. They were right in the same range last year. I think both offenses are probably going to take a step forward. I'm not really, you know, super strong one way or the other in terms of like which offense I think is going to be better. I feel like they're probably going to be in the same range in terms of their overall points per game. The difference between these two guys is that I hope Chubb is involved as a pass catcher, whereas I know Saquon Barkley is going to be heavily involved as a pass catcher. So maybe Chubb has the slightly higher ceiling if he gets receiving work, but it's just not locked in, whereas there's pretty much no shot that Saquon Barkley isn't like the three-down workhorse for this uh, Giants team. So I think they're both solid options at the one-two turn. But right now, I would prefer Saquon Barkley, especially if you're playing in like PPR, half point PPR leagues. Now for the third tough call, we're going to be moving over to the wide receiver position where we have CeeDee Lamb going up against AJ Brown. So right now, CeeDee Lamb is being drafted as the wide receiver six. AJ Brown is the wide receiver seven. Both of these guys on most platforms are going to be like one, two turn guys, probably at the latest um, like high end around two picks. This is probably the matchup I have the strongest opinion on, you know, with all five of these kind of close calls here. Even though they were back to back in points per game last year with Lamb at 17.7 and AJ Brown at 17.6, you know, you might think that it's pretty much a toss up. I just think that when we're projecting for the 2023 season, there's one guy out of these two that can take a massive leap forward. And that's going to be CeeDee Lamb. He's two years younger than A.J. Brown, which means he's likely still improving as a player. Um, And Lamb also was just in not a great spot last year in terms of his situation. He had a backup quarterback for five games. He had Dak returning off an injured, I think it was a broken thumb. And Dak wasn't the same guy when he returned, so he struggled. So he really didn't have consistent quarterback play throughout the entire year. The Cowboys also experienced a big fall off in pass attempts per game. They were at 40 attempts per game and 39 per game in Lamb's first two seasons. That fell to 33 pass attempts per game last year, so seven and six attempts less than his first two seasons. And with all that happening, he still took a massive leap and delivered a mid-tier wide receiver one season. Like, I think A.J. Brown will definitely be in range to repeat his 2022 season, but I just don't know if there's a compelling argument for him to make a huge jump, whereas I think there are a lot of factors you can point to with CeeDee Lamb where he can take a leap here in uh, 2023. I guess if you wanted to make the case for A.J. Brown, you could say that the Eagles don't blow out as many teams, so maybe there's more passing volume, because I'm pretty sure like the numbers of their fourth quarter passing was just non-existent because they had so many blowouts where they were just running it out. 
but I'd probably argue that it's more likely the Cowboys bump up their passing volume, like with a healthy Dak and improved weapons with Brandon Cooks coming in. So in this spot, I'd pretty confidently take uh, C.D. Lamb over A.J. Brown, but let me know what you guys think. I feel like I've been consistently low on A.J. Brown. Um, People really like him. I just can't really get around him on his price on pretty much like any platform, if we're being totally honest. Um, But let's move into the next comparison. We're going with Derrick Henry versus Tony Pollard. And these are two running backs on two very different career paths. Derrick Henry's the running back seven, Tony Pollard the running back eight. But we have Derrick Henry heading into the season with the most career touches of all active running backs. Um, And he has nearly triple Tony Pollard's total touches. And whether people want to admit it or not, I know there's a lot of huge Derrick Henry fans out there. Henry at this point in his career is probably out of his prime, and who knows how many running back one seasons Henry has left. On the other hand, you have Tony Pollard, who I would argue is currently in his prime, maybe hasn't even hit his prime yet. Uh, but looking at Derrick Henry last year, he has been a top four running back in points per game in each of the last four seasons. He's coming off an 18.9 point per game season last year, where he was the running back four. And I will totally admit, like if he just repeats what he did last year, he'll definitely pay off at his current ADP, and I think he'll be a nice pick in fantasy drafts. The problem is that regression will eventually catch up with him. From 2018 to 2020, Henry was top three in rushing yards over expected per attempt in all three of those years. He's fallen off over the past two seasons. Not like he's terrible in that metric, but there's already like you know, a track record of him starting to slip. He's trending down. Pollard, on the other hand, is trending up. He was the running back nine points per game last year, despite having a 48% opportunity share with pretty much no real competition in his backfield. I'm expecting Pollard to break through into like the mid to high end running back one territory. He has been an ultra efficient running back, and now he has the opportunity to pair that efficiency with some legit volume this season based on the lack of competition. So I'd imagine that most people would probably favor Derrick Henry here. I would go with Pollard. If you like Henry, like I'm not going to say it's a terrible pick. I think both these guys are probably solid options where they're currently going, but I think looking at them, I'd say they have pretty similar ceilings. Pollard's may even be higher just because he can hit a big receiving season. But then when we're looking at the risk, I just think Pollard has way less risk than Derrick Henry at this point in their respective careers. Now, moving into the fifth and final tough decision, we have Garrett Wilson, who's being drafted as the wide receiver 10, versus Jalen Waddell, who's going as the wide receiver 11. And I would say that this one is decently clear to me, but I do understand why it's a debate. And I just think it could come down to the way that I play fantasy football, whereas other people you know, may value different things. So starting off with Garrett Wilson, he is somewhat of a mystery here in 2023 because he was the wide receiver 30 in points per game last year. So I understand the question of like, is it worth drafting him over Waddle, who just gave you a top 12 season? Like Waddle proved he could be a top 12 guy. Garrett Wilson hasn't proven that. Why would I take Garrett Wilson over Waddle? But I think when we look at Garrett Wilson, he is due for significant improvement from his rookie year. Just naturally, he should take a step forward. You also have the addition of Aaron Rodgers, which is going to be huge. Um, So those two things, I think I'd be expecting Garrett Wilson to take a massive leap. Looking at Jalen Waddle, he was impressive in his first year playing alongside Tyreek Hill. Uh, Averaged 15.3 points per game which like is solid. It's a decent number, but I think it's actually more impressive when you look at the splits with and without Tua, because without Tua, like 
it was an extreme fall off. So Tua missed four games and then played another one with less than 40% of the snaps. So removing those five total games, um, Waddle would have averaged 17.7 points per game on the season. He only averaged 9.3 points per game in those five games without Tua. So you could look at it two different ways. I guess you could say that he's not an overly safe option um, in terms of like injury risk to Tua because if his quarterback goes down, his production might tank. But you can also say that he can deliver you a decently high ceiling if Tua is able to stay healthy. So if Tua is the guy for the entire season, no concussion issues again, um, I do think Jalen Waddle can deliver you a mid-tier wide receiver one ceiling. I don't know if he can break into like that high-end territory. And I think even for a mid-tier wide receiver one season, he's probably hitting in the touchdown department. I think overall his ceiling is capped due to playing alongside Tyreek Hill, but I still think he can definitely pay off. And I do think he's like a fair price as the uh, wide receiver 11. Even though Garrett Wilson is more of an unknown, he just doesn't really have any limitations on his ceiling. We know he's super talented. Now he's getting that elite quarterback play. So just for me personally, the way I play fantasy football, if I'm drafting a top 12 wide receiver who's going in like the first two rounds, I want to take an upside swing. I think Garrett Wilson is that upside swing. If you're not a believer in Garrett Wilson as the talent, um, or you think like maybe his progression is going to be a little bit slower, I think going Jalen Waddle is fine in this range. Like I think they're both fair picks. But if I had to make my choice, I am confident in Garrett Wilson, and I would draft him over Jalen Waddle. These are exactly how I have them ranked. So I have Garrett Wilson as my wide receiver 10, and then Jalen Waddle as my wide receiver 11. But that is going to wrap it up for five kind of close calls in your fantasy football drafts. Hopefully this video, you know, helped you guys. Maybe you hadn't specifically thought of these things, but, you know, kind of got those thoughts going in your minds. Let me know what you guys think. Um, are there any one of these players that you feel like super confident in in these matchups? Let me know down below. I'll make sure to get back to you as soon as I can. But thank you all for stopping by, and I will see you in the next one.